Wait a second, are those locusts? This episode is sponsored by Hire.com. Hire.com is offering a new freelancing and contracting offering. They have multiple companies that will provide you with contract opportunities. They cover all the tracking, reporting, and billing for you. They handle all the collections and pre-fund your paycheck. They offer legal and accounting and tax support. And they'll give you $2,000 when you've been on a contract for 90 days. But with this link, they'll double it to $4,000 instead. Go sign up at Hire.com slash Freelancer Show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 171 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hey. Jonathan Stark. Hello. Ruben Lerner. Hi, everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the things that you should be doing on a regular basis in your business. The reason that uh, we're talking through this, I was actually reading an email that I got from Eric's mailing list, and I kind of skimmed it. I didn't read it deeply. But anyway, he basically said, are you ignoring your number one client? And it talks about some of the things that you should be doing for yourself since you're your number one client. In other words, if you take care of yourself, then you can take good care of your clients. And so I was wondering, like, what kinds of things should you be doing Again, I mean, this isn't directly what he was talking about, but what kinds of things should you be doing in your business on a regular basis to keep it running and, you know, keep things uh, moving? Are, are there weekly or monthly practices that you go through? Yeah, I mean, we talked in the pre-show, like there's the regular of, you know, keeping up on your marketing, making sure you have a funnel of clients. I don't think we should get into it on this show, but I think that's the most important thing to do. Um, but like I said, we, we go over that so much that like we can kind of assume that that's, you know, the first thing someone tackles. Right. One thing that's... I guess it's been more important to me recently it has been rest, like not just, you know, being lazy, but actually like taking time away from the computer, uh, maybe some recreation, you know, ha- kind of having a more, I guess, rounded life than just work, eat, sleep type idea. That's a big thing for me. And that could be, you know, taking up a sport, doing some exercise, reading a book, spending time with family, you know, anything that kind of recharges you, especially because a lot of freelancers I, I talk to, they go you know, full on, full force on their business, but they don't actually recharge their batteries from that. And so I think that's really important to kind of, you know, like kind of the second priority to do is that after you're working, you know, recharge the work that you just expended the energy on. Yeah, I get away from my computer, but I have an iPad. (laughs) (laughs) So Eric, I noticed that uh, in my life, I can usually gauge if I'm working too much by whether or not I'm doing those things. So if I haven't been you know, exercising or I haven't been playing music. I'm like, uh, it's, you know, I must've been really busy. I really have to think about that. But do you have any habits that help you enforce that you do those things or anything that sort of helps you stick with it? Or is it just raw discipline? Eric is I, all raw discipline. Yeah. I mean, I look like I am, but I'm actually not. I have very little discipline. What I do have is like regular, very minimal habits that even during like the really intense times I can maintain the minimal level of the habit. But then, you know, when it's like, okay, like last week, for example, I, I didn't have a client. I scheduled it. So I had about a week and a half off where I actually took, you know, kind of a, a vacation at home, did some work, that sort of stuff. Um, and so during that time, you know, I kind of bumped up my exercise, bumped up my reading, you know, bumped up all the stuff that I do every day, but I went, you know, above the minimum bar. And so that way I, I still have the habit going of, you know, exercise every night, doing yoga for I don't know what, I might get four or 500 days straight on that. But instead of just doing two minutes, I did like five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. 
Yeah, I'm not probably as good at it as you, but I do know that it's really important to me to get some kind of exercise. Otherwise, I get super stressed out. And I've found a couple of things that have worked for me are to actually put it in my calendar like an appointment. That's a huge help. Sometimes I bump it, but having it in the calendar is a huge help. Um, another thing I do is I, I started a Facebook group called 100 Days of Burpees, where we sort of have this competitive thing going where every day you do incrementally one more burpee, which is like a squat thrust. And I found that that sort of community aspect of it really helps me not skip a day. Plus, if you skip a day, you have to do all the ones from the previous day. So it's a lot harder. But oh, man. Um, but those are like two little tricks that have worked for me to like to schedule to my calendar and to get other people involved and have some kind of accountability. Yeah, I think I think one thing, too, is that uh, they've done study after study that have shown that if you don't get enough sleep, that you just don't operate as well. You don't perform as well. And I mean, that's your product, right? Is your ability to perform, your ability to deliver. And so if, if you're not getting the sleep you need or if you feel sick all the time or anything like that, yeah, I mean, you're just not going to be up to yourself. But at the same time, I've also been in that position where it's like, oh, crap, I don't have any clients or I'm up against the deadline or whatever. And that's the first thing I push. Right. And this is like, this is very, you know, your personal, like how you work, how you function, all that. And it can be changed to some extent. But I know for myself, you know, I have my regular stuff I'm doing, but I can tell based on how much either caffeine or like I drink tea with agave. So it's sugar, but it's not a lot of sugar. You know, how much sugar and how much of the tea I'm having to drink to kind of stay at what I figure is the normal level. So like I just got off some break. So I'm very, I don't need very much to keep going to keep my energy high to get through the day. But I did a, I think it was like a 12 week, every week I was working with clients full time. You know, near the end of that, it was like a ton of that stuff to kind of help stimulate and kind of help keep me going, you know, like an external motivation instead of me having the energy to keep going. Um, and at the end of those days, like by four or 4.30, I was dead. Like I couldn't do anything else in my business. I couldn't... um do any marketing, like I could just get the client work done. And then I was like, I could pass out for the night and be done. And so I think knowing that, knowing how, you know, if you're actually like, you know, taking from your actual body inventory, your energy inventory, um, knowing that and being aware of that, that's, that's a big key and, you know, figuring out what fills it up, what replenishes up. And that's kind of what I was talking about in the newsletters. You know, you're your number one client. If all you're doing is stealing energy, stealing time from yourself, you know, you're going to basically hit the burnout stage. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I've, I've been running on way too little sleep for way too many years to such a degree that I saw it as I, I saw it and even see it somewhat as like a normal thing to do. But I, I'm really trying to wean myself off of that because I see I see that it's, it's just not the way I want to be. I, I'm uh, edgier. You know, it, it's not fun to be always tired. It doesn't have to be that way. And I think I've been able to get away with it because, OK, maybe I don't need that much sleep overall. Um, or maybe I've been able to function without it, but I also feel like I've sort of been just been able to get away with it because that's how people know me. And I keep feeling like I've sort of been able to do that because I felt like it's, um, acceptable and okay. But if I start saying to myself, no, 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 I need to actually get a more reasonable amount of sleep every night and not just crash on weekends and like one night a week, which is typically what I do, it's going to help my health overall. It's going to help the way I deal with other people. It's going to be great, but it will force me to prioritize because until now I've been able to say, well, I'll just do a hundred different things. And if I have to get more sleep, then I have to say, okay, these things are just not as important. I will not do them. And I think that's the, the hardest thing for me after so many years of basically doing everything and anything I want to do. Right. And actually just this after recording, I've been basically trying to build a habit. I've averaged about six hours of sleep a night. And when I go below that, I know it's, it affects me. But, you know, kind of everyone says you should have seven to nine, I think it is for adults. 
I've been trying to build a habit of getting at least seven. And so if that means I went to bed late and I woke up early because my daughter woke up, I have to like fit in either a nap right after she goes to daycare or during lunchtime. And I made that like my top priority. So there's been times where I've actually not done a run, which is another priority in order to get my nap in, because that's kind of what I'm focused on. I think I finally got over the hill of like, you know, failing good, failing good, failing good. And I'm starting to like, okay, I'm regularly hitting it. I'm going to bed on time. I'm getting the rest. And, you know, it's maybe been, I think, nine or 10 days streak. And I've already noticed, like, I feel more creative. I feel I have more energy. But yeah, it's a trade-off. Like, I mean, my running has suffered because I'm not able to get in as much sleep. So I'm not running as much. I also want to talk a little bit about the leisure time. I mean, so watching TV for me is kind of mindless. I usually will watch some TV if I'm trying to go to sleep and nothing else seems to work because it just totally puts me in a coma. But like reading fiction or, um, you know, listening to stories or listening to podcasts where they tell stories or things like that, you know, I feel like those really stimulate my creative faculties. And I'm able to get a lot more done and think about things in kind of a different way. I, I'm i not sure if it's kind of just a bias that I have because I feel like it's that way or if there's some way that that's provable. But I feel more creative when I participate in something more creative. Right. Yeah. And I'm kind of this, I'm the same way, but I use mine's a bit different. The more I'm reading, even if it's not even close to the subject of what I'm working on or mm-hmm. what I'm doing in business, like I'm finding and connecting more ideas. And that's, you know, that's creativity, you know, if you boil it down to the essence. So it's, I, I think, uh, I want to say it's Sean D'Souza talks a bit about it. It's like, you have to have a bunch of input and the input can be just any kind of input. And once you get enough input, then you can have the output and the output is creativity or new ideas. Oh, I think that's like crucial for sure. I mean, I, I think that some of my greatest insights, both in terms of programming and in terms of training and my ability to sort of connect the dots for people um, especially when I'm describing things and explaining them, comes from reading subjects that are not directly technological. I think most of the stories I tell when I'm teaching, most of the analogies that I use are thanks to the fact that I'm reading other subjects and they help me to connect the dots and so they help my, my clients as well. Yeah, especially for me, the true stories, you know, where there's something inspirational or allegorical that I can use. So in some cases, it's there was somebody who struggled and then they... You know, they overcame using some principle or some practice. So that's kind of practical, but inspiring. And, you know, so you can use that if you're doing that kind of teaching, training or speaking. And then you've got the other, which is, well, there was, you know, and you can kind of create a narrative, even though it's essentially explaining how a bit of code works, you know, so think of it like a train and the train has cars and you know, and this does this. And, you know, you have these different cars that perform different functions when it stops and they set up the circus or something. I don't know. So you you can, you can create both a story to kind of describe what you're doing or the way you're approaching something. Well, and there's even a simpler aspect. Like if you're using, you know, say a lot, a lot of logic, like you're doing programming, you all day long reading a story It has some logic, but it's like narrative logic, not like Mm -hmm mathematical logic that can let that part of your brain rest. And so, you know, you're putting in a couple hours reading a night. That just means that your that your logical brain can kind of calm down, recover, build any lines it needs. So even without actually taking stuff out from the reading, the act of reading, the, you know, you're doing it, that's going to actually improve you and help you out. 
I definitely second the, the notion that, you know, you can't just constantly have output. You have to have input. It's really, it unlocks a lot of surprising connections. But how do you guys make the time to do that? Is it just natural for you? You know, like at a particular time of night, you're in a routine where you listen to podcasts or you, I don't know, uh, listen to an audio book or you read a physical book or like, what do you guys do in terms of creating those habits for yourself? I do a few different things. First of all, like I commute usually by train and some combination of train and walking to most of my clients. So I'm constantly, I mean, friends of mine say, oh, I saw you outside the train station, but you were walking really fast with your headphones in, your earphones in, or they see me on the train. It's true. When I'm on, whenever I'm on the train or walking, I'm always listening to podcasts. And sometimes they're technical and sometimes they're not. And in terms of reading, I mean, I have this nice forcing function of the Sabbath when we don't use electricity in my family. So we're all just like sitting around reading books. And that's my chance to read, whether it's the newspaper or the New Yorker, which I totally treasure, or the latest books that that I've accumulated. And that's typically my time. I mean, during the week, I have other times as well. But that's like the major time when I get a chance to really go through stuff and bring in lots of inputs. And then just the newspaper. I read like two or three newspapers or parts of them every day. And I really enjoy that. Yeah, for what me. is this thing you discussed called newspaper? Well, <laughs> well, perhaps paper is an exaggeration nowadays, although we do still get a physical paper copy of Haaretz, the, the intellectual elitist left-wing uh, newspaper in Israel delivered to our doorstep. And when they're at the mall giving out free copies, and I say to the guy, no, 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 I get it delivered to my house. He's like, really? There are not too many of you anymore. <laughs> yeah, so you take a tree and you grind it up. <laughs> yeah, but I hate to say it, it, it is more and more convenient if I'm on the go or on my phone or on my computer to read. So between Haaretz and the New York Times, I get my doses of interesting content pushed toward me. But there's still nothing like the feeling of paper. Yeah, I spent the uh, weekend in rural Vermont. Well, I guess all of Vermont's rural pretty much <laughs> uh, in the mountains. And it's my uh, cousin's got like a little mountain retreat up there. And there is... No cell phone service. There's no cable access. There's no satellite. There is no nothing. There's a landline and that's it. And I will admit to having a couple of minor panic attacks, maybe once or twice, but it was the first time in a long time. I looked at a newspaper and I was like, wow, it's a kind of a cool thing. It's <laughs> interesting technology. It wasn't even a current newspaper because that's how remote it is. It was like a Sunday and I was reading the Thursday's paper. Well, here's, and, here's the, uh, I remember it was cool. When, I remember when I was an undergrad at MIT and like there was this group that came up with an electronic newspaper and they were so proud of themselves and it was really amazing. And they discovered what others have discovered also, which is one of the beauties of a, a newspaper or a general interest magazine is you read things you wouldn't expect to enjoy. So if you're on, like, if you have an RSS reader or something like that, and you're reading the blogs on certain topics, or you even go to, I don't know, Google News, and you filter out for certain topics, like, you're going to get lots of information on very specific subjects, or even podcasts for that matter. But if you're reading a, a general interest magazine or a newspaper, you're going to find all sorts of cool stuff that you never even knew you were interested in, which is, I think, part of, for me, the excitement and, the, um, and why I enjoy it so much. Yeah, I tend to read when I'm in bed um, before I go to sleep. And I actually read on my iPad, but I've set it to sepia tone and turned the brightness almost all the way down so that I can sit and read it in the dark uh, without it killing me off because just looking at it is, is rough when it's all the way on. The other thing is is that I'll listen to audiobooks or podcasts when I'm out running errands in the car. The other thing that I do is I'll also do it when I go walking or running or lifting weights or whatever. 
So when I'm at the gym or on the trail, I listen then too. And a lot of times I'm not really kind of not in a mental place where I want to be going like full on technical or serious content business book. And so, yeah, I'll just listen to a novel or something, you know, as an audiobook, And it's very, very relaxing. Sometimes I just go for a drive so I can listen to something so that I can turn my brain off. I, I must admit that, like, I, I think I'm like many engineers where I don't read much fiction. And I get most of my fiction through TV or movies. Fortunately, having children has given me, I mean, gave it to me more when I was reading to them, but a great excuse to read fiction. And what do you know? There's actually something to it, right? Like it, it frees your brain. It allows you to make all these associations, think of ideas. And so while I'm not writing the fiction still myself, like that's the one part of The New Yorker I, I don't read, blasphemous as that is to regular readers, I definitely appreciate that you get ideas and thought and connections that you would not get otherwise. Well, and it's just relaxing too. Right. I find I have two kinds of reading, the kind to shut off my brain so I can stop thinking about work and force myself to be distracted by something that, you know, activates that other part of my brain. And the other thing is reading for work purposes to kind of stoke my or it's, it's hard to explain. It's like stuff that I'm stuff that I'm exploring. I'm still on the learning curve and I really want to like get other input from experts in the field. There's two kinds of reading and then I do it in different ways. Like I'll listen to it on Audible. I barely ever drive, but if I am driving, I'll almost always have some kind of audio going mm -hmm. at home when I'm doing the dishes, like dishes is my job. So I'll like almost always have some kind of either audiobook playing or a podcast or something like that. But it's not a regular thing. It feels very sporadic to me. I wish I was like, uh, it could be a little more regimented and it would be, I'd be happy with that. And weirdly, years ago, before we had kids, we were in a routine of like eating dinner and then watching TV every night. It was like Daily Show and then Colbert Report and then we'd watch like HGTV until we fell asleep. And we we're in this routine. It wasn't a very productive exercise, but we completely stopped doing that. We have no TV anymore. And as over the top as it was, and it really wasn't a good habit, I don't think, something's missing now that we don't do it. Maybe in uh, moderation, there'd be good to have a uh, routine where nightly we did some sort of brain shut off activity. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, my wife and I often uh, will we'll watch an hour of TV. I mean, and when I say TV, I mean <laughs> watching on the computer from things from Netflix or Amazon or whatnot. And it's definitely a nice way to sort of end the evening. Well, I should say her evening, then I, then I go back to work. But I won't for long. <laughs> yeah, and see, for me, I'm thinking I have basically three periods where... Well, at least during the week, three periods where I actually do a lot of reading, do a lot of relaxing. And it's um, in the morning, I have a run and that can be I'm trying to think anywhere from an hour to two hours, sometimes a bit longer. And so that's great for audiobooks. I used to do podcasts, but I found podcasts, you kind of, the quality has hit or miss on those and it's, you know, episode to episode. And so I found actually audiobooks work better because it's pretty consistent quality. Um, and based on my running, I can get through about an audiobook a week. So, you know, that's a significant amount of content. And I do, you know, fiction, light nonfiction. I don't do very heavy or hard nonfiction just because I want to concentrate on the run too. The second time is after we put my daughter down, we have to kind of be quiet in the house for, you know, a little bit before bed. And so my wife relaxes by watching Netflix. And, and then I relax by either playing a video game on my iPad or reading again. Um, so in that case, I'm, you know, probably usually reading the Kindle because we're listening to the monitor. So I need to have, you know, audio free. And after my wife goes to bed, I'm up for another hour or two. It's been a lot less since I've tried to do the sleeping thing. But, uh, you know, that's my time where most of the time I'm reading on the Kindle. It depends. Could be fiction, nonfiction. Some fiction books keep me up. Some fiction books put me to sleep. Same for nonfiction. I have three, I think it's about three books going at any one time on the Kindle. So I can switch between them if like 
I need to go to bed or I'm, you know, it's Friday night. I want to stay up a bit late. And kind of the end result is I think it's I'm doing more now, but it's somewhere around four or five audiobooks a month and then 10 to 12 books read a month just off the Kindle. Um, and I found that's like that plus, you know, just some blog reading here and there. Like that's, that's a ton of content. It's a ton of entertainment. And it kind of keeps me going. It's actually, you know, relatively easy for me to maintain, but it's a routine I've built over probably four or five years now. So we did this thing. I totally second that. I have a million books going so I can sort of transition to one that's appropriate for the situation, like the one that I need to put me to sleep and the one mm-hmm. that I need to stimulate my brain. You just reminded me talking about wife going to bed that we recently reorganized our house. You know, I work at home typically and my office was in the basement, but it was becoming unsustainable because the kids are both old enough to chase each other. And they just like run around in circles over my head. It was like living inside of a kick drum. So um, <laughs> it was like, well, we don't use our bedroom during the day. And that's on the third floor. So let's just put my desk in the bedroom. And now it's like the, the weird side effect is all of my stuff's in the bedroom. So if, once my wife goes to sleep, I'm not going to go in there and like get my stuff. So I'm kind of like trapped in the rest of the house without my stuff. So you know, if I wanted to record like a, either a, a webinar or a video podcast or a regular podcast, I can't, you know, unless I'm going to wake her up, which I'm not going to do. So it's had like a, you know, like, oh, might as well just go to bed. And that's so point there is that sort of did this. It was accidental, but I suppose that people could follow the model and sort of set up an environment that enforced the behaviors that they know they should exhibit instead of the ones that are sort of uh, addictive type of behaviors. Like I definitely consider myself, my work behavior is a little bit addictive where I'll just be like, oh, I should really go to sleep, but I'll just check email one more time and type up a two-page reply to this email that if I answered answered it tomorrow morning, it would be one line. It's weird how the fish grows to fill the bowl with some of this stuff. So if I don't put things in place to keep me on the straight and narrow, I'll just not sleep enough, not exercise enough, not stimulate my brain enough, not relax enough. Jonathan, what just reminded me, I remember hearing years ago that if a client says to you, I just need X, maybe it was Eric even who said it, like the word just is the, is the poison in there. Like, like if it's just need X, then you have to tell them, no, 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 like this is not small. You need a serious change request or something along those lines. And I'm thinking what you're saying sounds so familiar to me. And maybe what I need to say to myself more is, oh, if I'm just doing X before going to bed, I should just go to bed. Right. The, the, <laughs> right. Right. I need to, if we're going back to like the, the topic of how to treat ourselves like a good client, like yeah. I should be doing that. <laughs> you're your own worst client. It's like the flip side of the premise. Like you're the worst client you have. So I want to change topics slightly. We've been talking about books and things like that. How do you fit training in? Like professional development training? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, could you be a little more specific? Well, I mean, you can read business books, you can read technical books, you can watch videos, you can, I mean, there's, there are all kinds of different things. I'm, I'm looking for the more routine kinds of things. So let's leave off conferences and workshops and stuff. Yeah, that's why I asked. Cause like schedule myself, I, I kind of try and do double duty. So I'll schedule myself for a conference and you know, since I have two kids and a wife and a house and two dogs and, you know, my home life is characterized as medium to perhaps medium rare hectic, then when I go to a conference, I take vast advantage of that time. It's like I'm going to be my, by myself potentially for like 23 hours a day for the next four days. And, you know, I have a conference coming up and it's like I've, I'm already scheduling stuff 
to do. So I guess I'm doing the exact opposite of <laughs> what you want us to focus on. Right. So but you don't you don't do it as a routine thing. You do it when, I, when your life that, circumstances accommodate it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's an interesting question. It's kind of like the stuff I do when I'm procrastinating from doing the stuff I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> if I'm if I'm 100% honest, I get on my own learning curve because I have something really boring I have to do. So like I have to do X, Y, you know, I don't know. I have to type up a report. I don't want to do it. So I convince myself that it's more important that I watch this training video or I read this business book. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to convince myself that because I'm going to get a ton of value out of it. You know, I have direct financial benefits from leveling up in these areas because I can turn around and resell that knowledge to a group of people, not just, you know, it's not, it's not just like a, I'm going to make my own business better. I'm also going to make a bunch of other businesses better. And that's going to make my, you know, creates this virtuous loop. I don't schedule it, but there's no lack of it. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. I've been trying to do this uh, miracle morning thing for probably like a year and a half. And one of the things on there is to watch a five to 10 minute video. And now that could be something that's part of another training series, or it could be, you know, just something that's self-contained like Ruby Tapas or Elixir Sips, which are just, it's kind of a 10 minute demonstration or exploration of some aspect of Ruby or Elixir. But I'm not always good at getting up and getting into my routine. It's the habit stacking thing that Eric talks about sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely don't have any clearly defined time when I work on my own training, although I try to keep a day a week for when I'm not out training in the field, like giving other people training so that, you know, I can spend some time, first of all, just getting to the backlog of work that I own, owe people, but also spending some time learning and, and working on my own things. So I would say like, you know, the daily tech video site that I started was started in part out of just selfishness and self need to create this sort of habit. Like I need to learn about certain topics and I'm going to categorize them. And if it's helpful to other people, then that's great too. And so I've definitely been learning a lot in that way. That's been sort of a forcing function. But I think another forcing function for me has been like out, you know, talking to people when I've been doing training and asking them what would be useful to you and what is for the next topics of interest or just sort of hearing what people are interested in. And then I'm like, hmm, I better get ahead of that curve because if they're already saying they're interested in it, then they're probably going to be really interested in it a year from now. And so I've been trying to push myself into new things as well. And I guess the other thing is my Linux journal column, right, where I've been using it for years as a way to force myself to learn new stuff and then explain it and use it in different things, not necessarily in that order, so that I can you know, get ahead of the curve. But I think if it were just left to me, like if I weren't training, if I weren't talking to people, if I were running the site, if I weren't writing, then it would be much, much harder for me to find the time and allocate it. I totally second that. I do a, not this podcast, but another podcast called Terrifying Robot Dog, where I have a co-host. We have a, you know, a scheduled time, more or less, uh, usually moves around, but it is a, a weekly. We are religious about getting it out once a week. And it's basically an appointment to talk big thoughts about the future of tech and how it affects the way we connect with the world. And, you know, it's a labor of love. We've got a few hundred listeners, maybe four or 500 listeners weekly. It's not big, but it's a scheduled thing that forces us to think out of the box, explore possibilities. And it feeds directly back into our businesses where, you know, we do like uh, consulting and strategic sort of, it's a marketing thing in a way, but it also makes you think outside the box and connect those dots, think in a way that you wouldn't normally do when you were actually trying to get something done. Like we're not trying to get anything done. 
So people often ask me like, oh, well, how do you justify the fact that you do that every week? And I would say most of my best ideas for my mobile strategy business come out of that show, just from like shooting the ass with another smart person. And see, I think I'm different than all of you. I, if I have the chance, I try to schedule all my training, all of my mental growth or whatever, you know, either, I don't know, a couple months ago, maybe a month ago. So I actually took a week off and, you know, built a Shopify app in the week. And so it was the idea of, you know, I've done it for clients. I know how it works, but I want to start from scratch. And so how do I do it? You know, can I get it done? What's the process look like? And so I actually took, you know, a week of billable time and scheduled that. Um, in the past, I've done that with different things, either technology or, you know, marketing tactics, strategies, you know, it'll take a week or a week and a half or sometimes even just a day and be like, okay, I'm going to dig into content marketing, figure out how it works, figure out what's going to be a good way for myself to do it. And I try to do all of that ahead of when I actually need it. Um, there's sometimes where it's like just in time, like I'm literally the week before learning something that I'm going to use the next week. But most of the time it's done kind of in advance. And uh, I think a lot of that starts just from the amount of reading I do. Like those give me the ideas and kind of the background knowledge. And then that feeds into actually, you know, doing the week, doing the more intense stuff because I have the background stuff. I know what to avoid. I know what to look for and just go through the the motions of actually putting into practice and seeing if it works. That's really interesting. And sometimes I think I think you need to do that. I mean, if there's some area of something that I'm exploring, I've done this once or twice for Rails Clips where I just took a day or two to really get into whatever it was that I had to figure out. Yeah, and kind of it's because it's the most current story, but um, before I was even considering doing Shopify or e-commerce as kind of my positioning for my consulting, I bought four or five books on e-commerce, read them, figured out like, okay, here's the commonalities, here's stuff that might just be the author going off on a wild tangent, um, here's stuff. And I even found some authors are like, wow, this is like my daughter who's three could write better than this. But I basically got a good survey of the whole market, then took those, condensed the notes on that, went into actual like places where cust- my customers would be, you know, verified that the books were right, verified, you know, pain points, problems, all that stuff. And then from that, I kept doing kind of that research of going back to the source material and then checking it um, against, you know, reality. And, you know, now it's probably six months later, I'm actually like, okay, I'm repositioning into Shopify. This is what I'm doing. I know, you know, some of the major things I'm going to hit on. But, you know, in this case, it was a six month process to learn about this industry, learn about how it works, learn what the problems are. And so, you know, I prefer to do that versus like, oh, I'm just going to look on YouTube and see what catches my eye right now, because that's not a very disciplined approach. And as you know, I, I like the more disciplined approaches. Does anybody do stuff that's just totally like guys night out, like bowling night or anything like that? I do occasionally with my brother. He's a year and a half younger than I am, and we kind of enjoy the same stupid stuff. And so a lot of times we just go grab lunch and then go watch like the dumbest movie we can find in the theater. (laughs) Um, And he's a cardiac ICU nurse. And so sometimes he just needs to just completely shut the world out because he he has people come in that are pretty messed up sometimes. And I get burned out. And so I'm like, well, crap, you know, let's let's go do something fun. Another thing that we've done, there's a little there's a I've mentioned this on the show before. I like guns. So uh, we've, uh, you know, we, we go down to the gun range and I think it's like 10 or 15 bucks gets you access to the range and you can shoot any gun they have in the store. America. And, uh, <laughs> and so then you're just paying for ammunition. Yeah, they have a big elephant gun and he's like, yeah, that's a $15 one shot. You know, so you only do that so you can say that you did it. 
but they've got desert eagles in there. They've got all kinds of guns in there. So, you know, we go do that or golfing or whatever. I do a lot of golfing or just building crap or working on cars with my father-in-law too. And, uh, you know, it's just a nice escape. But yeah, you know, that that's kind of our guy's night is we'll either, you know, go grab lunch and go see a really stupid movie or we'll go shooting guns. And sometimes we'll invite my other brothers to come along. But most of the time, since he's a cardiac ICU nurse, uh, you know, he'll work like four days in a row and then have three or four off or something like that. And so he can go in the middle of the day and I can go in the middle of the day. And it's nice because nobody else is there. Yeah, it's definitely nice. Like if you're running... I mean, I guess your brother's schedule is odd just because of his job. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're an independent consultant, as I've counseled to say, as opposed to freelancer, <laughs> but if, you, if, if, if you're running your own schedule, then it, it gives you this degree of freedom that you can take off the middle of the day or some days. So again, like Thursdays are the day that I tend to take for working on my own business. And that means that if I want to see someone for lunch, if I want to just go do something, if I want to you know cook something for lunch, I can do that. And it's not taking time off of client things. Yeah, I do the um, co-working Thursdays as well. That's 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock on Thursday. We just go down to the local cafe. We reserve one of the longer tables, and we usually have four, five, six people show up. And then it's just a mix of gabbing about stuff and getting work done. And, you know, sometimes somebody's got, like, a deadline, and so they're pretty heads down, and they're not really participating in other weeks. They are, and we talk about all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, fantasy books politics, all kinds of things. And so it's really, really interesting just to get together with other people. And and that's kind of a a nice way to both build my network, but mostly it's just so that I can be around other people who are doing the same kinds of things I am. I've heard of people who have lunch with other freelancers, independent consultants, however you wish to describe it. Independent freelancer consultants. Yeah, people who are working at home or people who work on their own. I think it's a fantastic idea. I've never done it myself in part because I'm out so much working with clients. And so I have lunch with other people at their company cafeterias probably you know two, three times a week. Right. You get um, your people fixed because you're out working at companies. Right. But it's definitely uh, – I think it's a fantastic idea to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Going to other meetups too or you know networking groups or networking events or I go to Toastmasters every Thursday morning. Of course. You, how is that? I've always thought about doing that. What do you think about that? To be perfectly honest, I, I totally love it. I think I lucked my way into a really great club. I've heard that some of the other clubs aren't nearly as awesome. But yeah, so the club starts at 7 a.m. and it gets over around 8, 8 or 5. Anyway, everybody kind of has a job. And so you show up. There are usually three speakers And then there's kind of a table topics. And what that is, is just kind of an impromptu. So somebody basically has a think on your feet question or topic that you have to talk about for two to three minutes. And so uh, people volunteer for that and they get up and they talk about whatever. And and then the people who gave the prepared speeches have people evaluate them. And so the evaluators get up and they talk about, you know, so they're like, you did this well, you didn't do this well. It's been super helpful for me as a speaker. It's also been terrific for me just to be able to gather my thoughts on specific things because you can talk about anything. The club has really gotten into me talking about podcasting, uh, though lately I haven't spoken much about podcasting. But yeah, I mean, it's it's terrific. In this particular club, it's just full of just uh, amazing people. And I've met people from all over Salt Lake Valley. There are a few people that live down here in in Utah Valley, but most of them are up in Salt Lake Valley. 
And, you know, we just get together and, and talk and get to know each other. And, you know, we practice speaking and we participate in the club. So I've been filling in for the sergeant at arms and his job is basically to unlock the building, set up the tables and chairs and to make sure the meeting starts and stops on time. Jeez, I didn't realize it was military. Well, he's the only one that really has kind of a militaristic title. <laughs> but, you know, there's the Toastmaster who runs the meeting. There's the Awe Master who counts ums and ahs. The grammarian. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, my Seriously. God. Are yeah, you serious? I'm serious. That's awesome. It, it's really great. Awesome would, without the awe. If, if it was me, I'd need someone that counts the you knows because that's my yep. own. They do ums, ahs, you knows, so's. My claim to fame is that I gave a seven-minute speech and got away with one and so. Anyway, but it's really great. Go find a couple of clubs near you and figure out which ones have the people that you kind of, you know, you mesh well with. So to tie this back to the theme, I mean, that that was a really good in-depth example of a scheduled event with other people who are expecting you to be there to do a kind of battery recharging type of thing that makes you better at your job. But also, I'm sure it would for me, I'm sure it does for you as well gives you, it just works a different part of your brain that is, uh, inspires creativity. Yeah, it does that. The other thing is the social aspect of it is really nice. And I've been able to work with several people as a part of the club that have turned out to be great mentors for me in one area or another. And so it all works out real nicely that way. And I just said, and so, see, now I'm thinking about this. But, uh, so what are some other things? What are some other things like Toastmasters that people could schedule into their lives? I don't know how many people listen, have families and stuff, but you know, I do. And I can't just extend, just like randomly be like, Oh yeah, I'm going out tonight. You know, it doesn't work. It doesn't fly. It's rude. If that was happening mm -hmm. to me on a regular basis, I'd get ticked off. So things need to kind of be planned out in advance or they're not going to happen. So we, we've mentioned a couple, Toastmasters is one, having maybe a personal trainer that you meet with weekly. Mm -hmm. I've got karate classes that happen, you know, on Monday and Thursday. I've had other, other stuff like that. What are other things that people do that are like a scheduled thing, a weekly thing that you do that you're, you will feel like, you know, you're, you're skid, I said, you know, you're <laughs> skidding into the social pariah area if you just skip it. There are, in my area here in Salt Lake and Utah counties, a bunch of entrepreneurial groups and they get together usually monthly and some of them are networking events and some of them are, we're going to have somebody come in and talk about some deal with business. So they've had people who have started businesses. They've had experts in lean startup. One time they had Ash Maria call in from wherever he lives. And he did a presentation over a Google Hangout. They had uh, Josh Coates, who started Instructure, which is a big um, college. What are they? They're an education system, uh, sort of like Blackboard, except it actually is nice to use. And <coughs> stuff like that. So they have all these people come in that you're going to want to hear from. And then they do networking. I think they put on kind of a conference that's going on like at the end of the month. And so they bring in new startups. The startup incubators are usually good places to go and, and get involved because they have get togethers that are social events where they're trying to get people to actually submit an idea to the incubator because the more submissions they get, the better off they are. Right. So, I'm, wonder I'm wondering about things where it'd be harder to 
I'm thinking about the things in my life that I don't blow off. Uh-huh. And the things that I don't blow off are the things where canceling is required and would be harder than showing up. Right. So like my karate class, if I don't show up, they're going to give me a ration when I get there the next time. They're going to pull me aside. They're going to say, where were you last week? We want an explanation. It better be a good one. And it's, you know, there's no consequences really other than the shame. And there's no way to contact them at the last second to tell them that my car broke down or that the kids are sick or whatever it is. So, you know, it's it's kind of like there's no way for me to alert podcast listeners of Terrifying Robot Dog that for some reason we're going to be late this week. Yeah, uh, I'm looking for stuff. I'm wondering if we if we have any other tips where there is that sort of a scenario where, you know what, I might as well just do this because canceling it is too hard. And if I just skip it, because some of the meetup stuff, you just, ah, I'm going to blow it off. Yeah, I don't feel like it. It's snowing. My mastermind uh, groups are like that. I, if I miss, they, yeah, they get on me. I I'm, I'm paying college. for it, for heaven's sake. But yeah. I had this professor in college had a brilliant scheme because like, she knew that students love to turn things in late and beg for extensions at the last minute. So her rule was, I will always give you an extension as long as you ask for it at least 24 hours before the deadline. And I thought that was a fantastic, fantastic way, like, again, a forcing function to make us think, huh, like, do I really need this? Do I want to ask for it? And if so, you have to be prepared. Let's like, you have to prepare yourself to ask for an extension. And it worked. It worked very well. Yeah, but to your point, Jonathan, I, I don't know. I mean, the only ones that I feel like I really have to be at are where I'm part of a small group where I have a job that I have to perform, so I have to show up, or I'm in some other way responsible for organizing. So the trick to relaxing and recharging your batteries is to give yourself more responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> All right, I got one more thing that I want to ask about that you should be doing every week or every periodically, and that's other chores like bookkeeping and things. Now, you can pay somebody to do those, but should you still be checking on those things? No, never do your bookkeeping. Yeah, I mean, I do my bookkeeping every week. I think it works good, if, you know, especially for smaller, um, you know, for a solo consultant. You could get by with every month. Um, you could even have pay someone else to do it for you. But I think like finances and stuff like that, you should really like stay stay on top of, understand what's going on with that. Checking your marketing, like, you know, you can set up automated marketing, but like checking in on it, like, is it actually working? Is it still you know, relevant, all that stuff. That's a good monthly thing to do. I do every quarter I start doing, or I start scheduling out like client follow-ups. So like past clients, I'll reach out to them and see how they're doing. You know, part of the idea is like, you know, do you have any more work for me? But the other part is I'm just curious what they're doing. You know, if there's any new results or anything that they've had. That's so big. Like that's, that's good. We, I think I feel like we've been talking about weekly stuff, but some monthly stuff like that, I think would be really good to talk about. The way I do it, I don't check on them and say, oh, you know, how's it going? I'll usually look for articles while I'm trolling the web at late at night when I should be sleeping and say, oh, you know what? I should really send this to that client I haven't talked to in a while because the project was over and be like, you know, this, I saw this. I thought of you guys. What's going on? You know, or whatever. Just like send the link. And a lot of times a conversation's spins out of it. I hunted the internet for a day and a half to find the perfect link to send to you. <laughs> That's like a Hallmark card. I have Here's an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that, yeah. that sharing aspect's really good. The problem, I tried to do it, the problem I had is it put a lot of effort, like I had to put a bunch of work into like, let me find the perfect link for this client and this and that. And 
I've actually found just a short, like, Hey, how you doing? Like two cents email works for me. And in fact, this year, just by sending one of those to a client, I got another 15 or $20,000 project. Like they're like, Hey, we were actually thinking about you, blah, 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 new project. So like yeah, I, I something agree. simple works. Things. I agree. It's two different things. If you want to schedule it and go through sort of like go through a loop of your past clients, then doing the, the link thing is not easy. It's because it can be a lot of work, but I think you probably do both where you have that routine where you, you make sure to do that once a month to somebody, you know, the, the next oldest person you haven't talked to in the longest time, but also just kind of in the back of your mind, always be thinking this maybe isn't an interesting link for me, but do I know anyone that would be interesting to, and then sharing it with them more spontaneously, not like a, not like a scheduled thing. Here's your link for the six of the month. Yeah. I mean, the, I think there's two separate <laughs> things and they're both good to do. Uh, another thing I did, I started doing recently is like every quarter uh, is I'm taking basically all the invoices that I have calculating out, like how much I've built to different clients and then figured out like metrics based on it. So like, you know, LTV, uh, where the clients came from, like, was it a referral? Was it someone from off, off of Twitter? You know, that sort of thing. Um, and it's actually proved to be extremely valuable and like to the point, like, why haven't I done this before? Because now I can actually like look at my marketing and say, I can spend, I get, you know, I get X amount of dollars per client on average. Therefore, I can spend this much money on marketing. Therefore, I can hire help that's less than that and still have a positive ROI. And it's actually freed up a lot of decision making that I used to struggle with. Like I said, I'm, I've done it twice now. I try to do it every quarter just to kind of keep it updated. Um, I'm a very low volume, you know, low volume, high dollar amount per transaction. So quarter works good for me. You could do monthly or weekly, depending on yours. Well, and I think there are other areas you can take inventory on as well. And that's when you check your bookkeeping, if you're having somebody else do it and just look at the numbers and look at the, you know, look at the other details that you have. And, you know, you can take an inventory, like you said, of, you know, what's coming and how your work has gotten done. But you can also take inventory on all of the other aspects of your business as far as how much you're paying who and what you're paying for and, you know, as well as how you're spending your time and how that's working out for you. Yeah, it's hard, right? Like I do weekly reviews and then I do monthly reviews. And so like a lot of this is baked into that process now. So it's like unconscious for me, like for the month, I'll check like how much client work have I scheduled? You know, do I need to send out the positive invoices for some of these? You know, do I need to do more sales because it looks a little lean? You know, maybe look out three to six months or something for that, you know, that sort of thing. Like there's a lot of kind of forward planning you can do that's, you know, extremely useful to kind of get in a regular process of doing, even if it only takes like a minute or two, if you can get a habit around it and have some kind of you know, like, oh, it's the first uh, first business day of the month. It's time to do invoices and this and that. You know, it's helpful. That just triggered a whole series of thoughts for me, like of not resting on your laurels and really thinking about your business. And, you know, it happened to me where I rested on my laurels too long in the mobile stuff and the industry grew up around me and I didn't keep pace. So I, probably every six months average, it would make sense to really question what you're doing and think, you know, is there some better way I could be, you know, serving the people that I serve? Is there some better product that I could be offering? Is there some pattern that I'm seeing that's new? And really question some of the fundamental aspects of your business and consider reinventing it or creating a new product or you know, like I think Alan Weiss says something like 50% of the money I made this year was from products I didn't have two years ago. So he's, you know, constantly sloughing off dead cells and growing new ones. And, you know, I feel like that kind of thing really needs to be scheduled because by the time you notice it, you're six months behind at best and it's going to be a big catch up. 
Yeah, I think that'd make a great episode, just how to evaluate your business and where you're at. Yeah, and that's kind of the root problem that I was getting out of my newsletter um, because I think a big consequence a lot of people run into is they don't have enough work. They book up as much work as they can. They become overbooked and you know they're making money hand over fist, happy with that, but they're burned out. And the other side of it is when they emerge from the client cocoon of I'm fully busy, they're now behind and now they can't get their next clients. They become you know, pipeline completely dries up. They have to retrain themselves for, you know, a month to six months too. I've heard it even one person took a year to get back in the market and then they can start billing. And that's, that's so unsustainable. That's so dangerous versus, you know, not getting locked up in that, taking some time for yourself and kind of keeping up on it. So it doesn't become this huge monster of a thing. All right. Well, anything else that we should cover on this topic before we go to picks? Um, one thing I'd say, and this is based on personal experience, based on you know, scientific studies, you know, asterisks, you know, if you can never quite believe what people say when they say that, if you're going to be making changes, try to make very tiny microscopic changes at first, build those into a habit and then slowly let them grow into what you want it to be. You know, don't jump out and try to do a hundred burpees, you know, because you're, you're overweight, you're not eating right. Like do one burpee and then do that for a month if you want, and then do two, maybe five, you know, don't, don't try to jump to a hundred because you're just going to burn out. You're not going to stick with it. The change isn't going to stay there. Doesn't burpees have a jump at the end? Ooh, monkey gif. I totally did not get that, but okay. It depends on what style you're doing. There's a style that doesn't have the jump at the end. If you want to get into that. Yeah, Only let's go there. Different burpee styles. All right. Speaking uh, of burpees, I have a pick for everyone. Good. Let's do picks. Go ahead, Jonathan. <laughs> nice segue, eh? <laughs> 100 Days of Burpees. Please, dear listener, come and join us. The group is actually just starting over, so it's not too late. Oh, no. You can actually be competitive in the 100 Days of Burpees group, and we'll link to it in the show notes, of course. Uh, You're going to ruin and, my figure with that. That's my intention. I, I have the coder figure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no comment i don't uh, we've never been in person have we no we nope. never have um okay so the other pick that i have since it came up so often we might have been, i think it probably was a pick on an earlier show but there's an excellent ted talk from a guy named dr parsley who perhaps has the best name ever who not only was a navy seal which is a group who famously does not put too much stock in sleeping but was also a doctor which as a resident, you don't get too much time to sleep either. And he does a really compelling talk about the adverse effects of not getting enough sleep. And he considers it an epidemic and that uh, it's a very, very bad thing. And he makes a nice case for it. So it's worth watching. It definitely uh, had an effect on my behavior. All right, Eric, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, so I got one. Um, this is from uh, a regular pick what do we call him? A rather picker or picky? I guess regular picky here uh, from Philip Morgan called CTAable Content Marketing. One interesting aspect, which I don't know, it wasn't pointed out very visibly in the, the article, and it's something that I've never seen before. But the idea of, you know, you're not just doing content marketing to kind of attract people, attract visitors, leads, that sort of idea. But you do content marketing so that when you do guest appearances, like either a guest blog post or a guest podcast post, you have a place that you can point people from there onto your own site. So you came on this show, you could point people to, you know, a huge content piece that you created on freelancing. Um, it's a really interesting spin and a way to kind of get double duty from content that you're already creating. All right, Ruben, do you have some picks for us? 
Yeah, so I have uh, three picks. The first one is, and this is perhaps obvious to everyone listening or maybe people listening, but I was just introduced this past week to Twitter analytics, that if you go onto Twitter and you check, uh, at least for me, it was under my user menu there. You click on your icon and under there it says analytics. And what do you know? You find out lots of interesting things about who's reading it and what they're reading and how often it's retweeted and how your stats look for the last month or so. And um, I think this might be useful for my business. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I've been sort of fascinated to discover what's been happening with the tweets that I put up and what my various stats are. So I definitely encourage people to at least look at that. I'm not sure how, how important that is, but it's definitely worth looking at. The other two picks that I have are this book that I'm just about done reading called Animal Vegetable Miracle from uh, Barbara Kingsolver, I think her last name is. I'm probably destroying her name. Anyway, she's a, a novelist and a writer, and she and her husband and their two daughters uh, moved to a farm. And they decided they were only, only going to eat the things that they raised on their actual farm. And it is fascinating and interesting. And I'm not sure if I agree with everything she writes there, but um, it's definitely a, a great look at food and farming and local food and the environment and global warming and everything else you, you want to think about. And the third thing is a, a site that's been around for a while, but it obviously rears its head every four years or so. It's called electoralvote.com. And it's uh, actually run for the nerds in the audience, which is most of you, by famous networking professor and guru Andrew Tenenbaum, who's originally American but lives in Amsterdam or somewhere in Holland for many, many years now. In any event, it has a fantastic breakdown of American political polls and predictions and analysis, and it's written very interestingly. So those of you who are political junkies, definitely worth taking a look at, especially as the elections grow closer. And you know, presidential elections in the U.S. are only, was it, 16 months away, which in most countries <laughs> is enough to have like three governments rise and fall. Anyway, that's the epics for me for this week. All right. Um, I've got a couple of things going on here. The first one is I just want to remind everybody that I am talking to people for 15 minutes. You can get a chunk of my calendar. Uh, by going to freelancershow.com slash 15 minutes. That's freelancershow slash one five minutes. And that would be awesome. I'd love to talk to you. Even if you're kind of new, I've, I've been enjoying those conversations too. The other pick I have is back when I was spending money that I shouldn't have been, I backed the Pebble Time Kickstarter campaign. And the watch just came in the mail yesterday, and I have really been enjoying it. I'm sure the Apple Watch is nicer. It's more expensive anyway. But yeah, anyway, it's pretty awesome. It's color, unlike, I guess, the uh, original Pebble. I'm really enjoying it. I love just being able to control my phone from my wrist. I also like being able to look at my watch and see who's calling or texting without actually having to pull my phone out. So uh, yeah, really, really digging it. So I'm going to pick the Pebble time. And those are my picks. All right, well, I guess that's it. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the Freelancer Show panelists and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. Sign up at freelancershow.com slash form. 